On today's show, Mavs versus Suns take two. Brendan Clean from Locked On Suns. I'm Nick Engstead from Locked On Mavericks. It's a crossover. We're going to talk about the game from the other night, talk about the game coming up tonight, and then why is everyone looking overlooking the Phoenix Suns as a championship contender? We'll get into all that on today's Locked On Mavs Suns crossover right now. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Locked On Mavericks podcast. Guess what day it is? And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks and Phoenix Suns. My name is Nick Engstead, host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast. And joining me, and I'm joining him, this depends on which feed you're listening to this on, Brendan Clean from Locked On Suns. Brendan, what you got for me? The NFL guys are lucky. They got this down. We are we are rookies in the crossover, <laughs> but I feel honored that I get to use your soundboard on my feed today. So I'm I'm feeling good. That the Suns are playing the Mavs again, and that the the, uh, the Mavs almost got one over on the Suns. So we'll talk about that game, break it all down, and then we'll talk about the uh, championship odds that came out on Bet Online for the Suns that just seemed pretty disrespectful to me. Completely. I don't know what. I I mean, we we love Bet Online, but. I feel pretty insulted by them, frankly. So, yeah, we got to get into that. And it's more so the public, right? It's more the, the public and yes, in, in, yes. in that action and all that. So we'll get into all that. This episode is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center where you can go and watch Suns game. A big thank you to your to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Thanks for making Locked On Mavs and Locked On Suns your first listen every single day. And remember, Locked On Mavs and Suns are both free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Both of us up on YouTube right now. Go subscribe to Locked On Suns, Locked On Mavs to get daily episodes in your feed. All right, Brendan, let's get into the, the game the other night. Let, let's talk about it a little bit because it seemed like I felt the whole game. The Suns were just sort of like sitting around and hanging around and hanging around and hanging around. And they were playing terribly. And then I was just waiting for a three-point barrage from the Suns just to come in and just take down the Mavs. I did not expect the Mavs to give it up to them, like to give them like to give them the three-point line for that barrage to come with the zone at the end there. I I think Suns fans are probably the same as you and that they knew that would come, but I think that that's kind of the playing with the food stuff this year has been disappointing. I think wow. to Suns fans <laughs> where it's like well, look, I mean, they didn't have Luka. If, if Luka played, I would not be so disrespectful. I mean, that was a 9-4 and four team versus a 10-3 and three team on national TV. Like, I think a lot of people were looking forward to that game. But once you know Luka's not playing, the Suns should look at that one as, okay, we're at, we're at home. We have the talent advantage. Let's just go win this game. Like, the fact that Chris Paul has 37 minutes in that game is uh, pretty bad. And obviously, campaign didn't play well as his backup. But you don't want to have to have that happen. They obviously got the job done when they needed to. but um look I mean the Mavs I don't it, it's such a weird game it's one of those games where you look back and you, you check the box score and you kind of have to look at it two or three times because you're like I don't really know how either of these teams outside of Devin Booker like <laughs> did anything they all played badly is what it feels like obviously it was just a physical game and it was very ref heavy moments but uh yeah I, I think that they eventually just kind of made the shots they needed to make had four or five big threes in the last few minutes and then Devin Booker just starts playing like a maniac and, and closes things down weird game where it was ref heavy yes I'll agree with that but there was only like 20 free throws total taken in the whole game it was like where are these fouls coming from but there were like a ton of <laughs> like a ton of the weird re- fouls and like stoppages and stuff in this game 
the rare game where I think both teams were pissed off at the officials by the <laughs> yeah. end. They were just like, nobody got nobody got what they wanted. The refs were like, "We're right in the pocket, man. We're just hanging out right in that pocket." <laughs> both sides are mad at us. Uh, Chris Paul is getting upset. All that. Uh, all right. So that's really, yeah, that's really what it was. Was Chris Paul gets called for that? I think he got called for a technical. And from then it was like it's over. You you can't poke the bear like that. That was really what the <laughs> what the Suns needed more than anything, and they got it. Yeah, does Chris Paul need that motivation now? Does he just become a player where you're like, on like any given night, he's like, I'm either going to skate through this game or I need something to just piss me off and just like get me into this game. I don't know about skating, but like, yeah, you could see at the beginning, he wasn't taking shots. Like he was getting open threes. He was right. passing up. They were getting him. They were getting him looks. He just didn't want to take them. I think he's just, he's not going to do anything until the fourth quarter unless he really needs to. And maybe he didn't feel like he needed to. Hey, he's like what? Top five, top three in assists all time. He can do whatever he wants, right? He's good. He's he's, he's good. earned the right now to uh, to just hang out until the end of the game, basically. Uh, man, Devin Booker in this game, I thought also just had some incredible shot making. I was a little jealous. I was like, man, just to have a second, like a second best player on a team, or I don't know if you consider him the best player on the team, but to have a second best player that can hit shots like that must be nice. Must be. Must it be is nice. nice. I mean, at the very <laughs> least, look, yeah, like two perimeter players who play off of each other so well, and you kind of saw that right where Booker. Uh, had that hot first quarter. I mean, he, most of his points, the majority of his points came in the first quarter. He's able to kind of, I mean, you might hope that he had done a little more in the second and third quarters to keep the game uh, in in hand a little bit more. But then he comes alive in the last few minutes, makes a big three to close things out, has that ridiculous layup. I wouldn't even say over Chris Epps Porzingis, but around him. And it was kind almost of like, under, right? Like it was under yes. Porzingis. And you're like, how? Yeah. How did he get that off? I think it was payback because Porzingis had that jumper just right <laughs> over the top of Booker. So he's like, all right, you go over me. I'm going to go under you and we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, CP makes basically just enough shots to uh, keep the defense honest, gets to the free throw line a little bit, has that dish underneath to eight. And then that's, that's really all that they needed. Um, but look, KP played well too. I think he was, I mean, to me, I obviously, you know, he was out for a few games and I haven't caught a lot of him and he's more featured now with Luca out because he has to be, but he was impressive to me. I think it was a career high in assists and they were kind of running stuff for him more often than I remember them doing all the time. And, and he just looked pretty fluid, which is not something I would always say about him. I, I don't know. I, it was that out of characteristic or was that fairly normal for his season so far? Yeah, no, the, the moving, the fluidity, all that, especially on the defensive end has been way better this season. And that's sort of been the big difference for the Mavericks is that they can play Chris Porzingis at the five and it'd be their best lineup. Whereas last year it was like, you're still hemorrhaging points at that point. You're still a really bad defense. If Porzingis is your only big man out there, you're playing with some wings and then like Tim Hardaway Jr. And, and Josh Richardson, who are just, who are not, doing well Richardson didn't do well in defense or anywhere last year <laughs> at all but if that's yes. your lineup then your defensive lineup is just really bad and so this year it's been a little bit better on that end um but in the pick and roll and in like dribble handoffs and all that kind of stuff that's where he got all, I think all of his assists came in dribble handoff yeah. situations but those kind of actions have been incredible for the Mavericks this year it's just the stuff they try to do at the end of the game where they try to post up they get the switch and you're like hey you have a mismatch against Mikhail Bridges and I'm like no you do not that is not a not mismatch. Really. That that one play where Bridges like goes kind of over the back, but it hits the ball. Neither of them left their feet, and they both had their arms extended as high as they could, and Bridges was right there with Porzingis because his arms are so long. 
He's such a freak. And it's crazy. I mean, you talked about the kind of hit them hitting the shots that they needed to at the end. I mean, he, I think, was literally had a donut heading into the fourth quarter. And then you probably came away from that game thinking, damn, he was probably like one of the three best guys on the floor tonight. <laughs> it, like, it doesn't make any sense how he can flip that switch and he's able to make an impact without scoring the ball. I mean, Suns fans want him to probably score a little more than he has. But in this game, with how physical and weird it was, it really was just some of those late plays. But yeah, I mean, look, if it's all in the dribble handoff, who cares? As long as he's using the gravity that he has and the attention that he's going to get, he's able to pick out players and cutters and, and fine shooters and all that. I mean, I was pretty impressed. I mean, it was probably the best seven of 20 night that I can remember in a while. <laughs> like, I felt way better than that, didn't it? Yeah, no, it, it it did. He's just had some games more recently, like the last three games or so before this. Porzingis has been awesome. Like he had you know a couple thirty point games. He's just had these nights where he's just finishing really well uh, with Luca, obviously, and so it, it changes it. Uh, but yeah, his gravity is 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 insane. He airballs a three really badly, and Aiton the next play still is like way outside the paint, guarding him on, at the three point line. And you're like, dang, that guy has some respect. I want I want respect as a shooter the way that Porzingis has. It's like I don't know if he's he's earned it, but he's definitely he's definitely getting it. What do you expect in the game tonight? Because for me, the Mavericks aren't going to shoot fifty percent from three again. That the Mavs have have not shot well from three at all this season. I think they've only shot over forty percent. This is now four games, I think, maybe five total that, they, that they've shot over 40% from three. The rest of them have been just, I mean, god-awful almost. But what do you think, what are you expecting in this game from the Suns? Can they play small even more? Can Dallas play small even more? Because I think that's probably the thing that, with the way the Suns play, would be the most of a test. Um, you know, you, you just see, like, yeah, they could probably switch, and that's the thing that teams always do against Porzingis, but... You know, making them really rotate and really move on defense is probably the best plan you're going to have. I mean, you're probably not going to get a Chris Paul game quite as poor as this one was from a shooting perspective. You'll probably come out wanting to kind of fix that stuff. But I would say if the if the Mavs can play a little bit smaller and then if they can force the Suns into turnovers, that has been a, a big problem for the Suns this year. They only turned the ball over seven times in this first game, which is incredible. So if they can force the Suns into some more mistakes, maybe pull their defense apart a little bit more. I think that's probably what you're you're looking at. If they can win the bench minutes, the Suns bench has not been very good. They were pretty solid in this past game. Reggie Bullock didn't really make shots. Maybe that changes, but we I mean, so. Luca's doubtful, right? So it's going to yeah. be a it's going to be an uphill climb, but I think uh I think anything's possible. I mean, these teams always have insane games, so I'm ready for anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't expect Luka to play. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of things to look forward to in this game tonight. So coming up, let's get into the Phoenix Suns. We'll talk about this team so far this season, what the big difference has been for the Suns so far this season. And we have to talk about those championship odds. We'll get into that coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about prize picks. Prize picks is the best NBA daily fantasy prop game on the market. They offer more NBA fantasy props than anyone else on the market. Any other daily fantasy prop operator, they offer the superstar players as well as the bench players. You can go ahead and go to prizepicks.com. You can sign in, you can get started, and you can pick uh, over under for points in a game. Let's see. They got a couple that are starting tonight, so you won't be able to get these. But Jimmy Butler, over under against the Washington Wizards, 20 and a half points. So you can pick that one, and you can pick Bradley Beal over under 23 and a half points. If I pick, let's say the let's get, let me go over on Jimmy Butler. He's kind of he's kind of on one right now. Bradley Beal, maybe he comes back after that really bad shooting night the other night. I put twenty dollars down. I could win forty dollars if I bet on that right now. If I go ahead and put a hundred dollars down, I win two hundred dollars on that. So go and check out Prize Picks. You can put down some money. You can do NBA and NFL at the same time. They have all kinds of stuff at Prize Picks. So go check it out. 
uh, use the promo code NBA and you will uh, use the promo code NBA and it will de- match your deposit up to $100. So you deposit 100 bucks, they give you 100 bucks to use. Prize picks, use the promo code NBA. All right, Brendan Clean, let's get into the Suns. Let me ask you some questions about these Suns. So this season, what's been the big difference for you? I think the backup center role has kind of been the, the one thing that I've heard you talk about on the show that has been a difference. JaVale McGee was actually really good in the game the other night against the Mavs. Uh, he seems to be a definite, I guess, upgrade. And there have been times when, when Frank Kaminsky's had good nights, but Dario Saric has been out. Uh, has that been the only big difference? Because the starting lineup is like just the same as it was last year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you that starting lineup was one of the best lineups by the end of the season in the entire NBA. They play together a ton. They were on the floor together to close every single playoff game for you know two dozen games in that postseason. So that's somewhat of a known commodity. And I guess there's one part of that that I can get to in a second. But you're right. The biggest thing has been the bench. It's not only you know having that backup center and uh, Dario Sharch is still out. Remember, he tore his ACL. And he is not even a part of the rotation, but they signed JaVale McGee in the offseason. They get Frank Kaminsky back, who's been playing, uh, as he always tends to do somehow, way better than anyone expects. So that's been a, a big sigh of relief. But also, I just think no one are, expects anything from Frank, Frank Kaminsky. So if he does anything, it's already over expectation. It really is. But like uh, the entire NBA seems to just like not value him, which is kind of crazy. Maybe that changes finally this year. But the dude's like on the floor in, in a game six of a finals, and teams are like, we're not we're not <laughs> we're okay. not messing with that <laughs> anyway um but no i mean it's also just that they they added landry shamit who they traded for on draft night and then extended they're integrating abdul nader who has been uh, uh respectfully a disaster so that's been kind of bad um <laughs> i don't know if you can, i don't know if that can be respectful <laughs> respectfully yeah i don't know if you can call it respectfully a disaster um but it's just been fun to, to kind of see how that bench works and and if it's i think it has the potential to be really good i think there's some players on that second unit who we might see close games in the playoffs, if they can figure out some lineups that work. And <clears throat> also the the departure of Torrey Craig has been weirdly important. Uh, it's a player who I'm sure people remember from the finals and everything. He played a pretty big role, but I just thought, yeah, yeah, he's not that irreplaceable, but he's been awesome in Indiana on defense and they've really missed that size. So, you know, when you're a finals contender, the, the problems can be, can sound very small. And I, I I'm sure that's how it comes off saying that right now, but <laughs> Uh, it, it really is a lot about who that second unit, what, who, who plays, what it looks like. Can they coalesce? Can they find some new pieces? And, and it's been fun to watch so far. What's the next step for the Suns team? Where do you think is, do they have another step to go? Are they just the team that they were going in the finals? That's, that's the best that this team can be. Or is there a step Aiton can take? Is it shooting for Aiton? Is it another step for Devin Booker as a playmaker or something? What's the next step do you think for this team? Let's say they, they take another step forward. What is it? Yeah, you certainly hope it's not the same that it was because, you know, I, I don't love when we talk about the lucky path that the Suns got, but the, rema- the the reality is like they are likely to not face a bunch of injured teams again and you got to be better and they already lost to the Bucks in the finals, so they clearly weren't good enough there. You need to be better than you were last year. Uh, I, I mean, the number one place that I kind of have started to go is what does Devin Booker look like? Because the NBA is decided by great players being great and if he can't find new ways to, you know, poke holes in defenses or help his teammates be better, then I think the Suns are going to be largely in the same place they were last year. A lot of the other stuff that Suns fans are looking for, I mean, the shooting from DeAndre Ayton is one thing. I'm kind of out on that really ever being a big part of his game, maybe. 
in what way like down a, the road a three-point sh- as a three-point shooter yeah. or just as a jump shooter at any at any point well a three-point shooter absolutely it's it's just not probably going to happen a shooter from mid-range he actually does too much uh, i mean i think the the real thing is can he get a little bit more comfortable dribbling inside the arc attacking the basket getting to the free throw line um just not anything complicated he doesn't need to, need to be Nikola Jokic out there but i think we just want to see him be able to do, like you, this, this Mavs game was a perfect example. How many little baby hooks and fades did he miss in that first half because he just wasn't absorbing contact? And it's not exactly like Boban was out there, right? I mean, the Mavs are guys he should be able to take advantage of. He's bigger even, than them, and he just even if doesn't Boban do it. Is, even if Boban is out there, I feel like he, it's fair. Boban, it's fair. Can, I mean, I, you can slip by Boban like pretty easily. I, think, well, I don't even think. I, but to be fair, like I don't think Aiton actually could. He's not really a slip by type of player because <laughs> he can't really handle the ball like that. So that's what I think the next, you know, maybe more reasonable step is like. Booker might get 5% better this season, but Aiton and Bridges together have the potential to get, you know, 20, 25% better, really take somewhat of a leap. And we haven't really seen that so far, but Aiton did miss some time. So we'll see. And I think that's where Suns fans are looking. If those guys can be a little bit more reliable as third and fourth options, maybe you don't have to rely on Booker and Paul. Maybe those guys don't get hurt like they both did last postseason. Let's go ahead and look at these odds from Bet Online. So we tweeted them out today. If you want to go at Lockdown Network, go ahead and follow that account. They just updated these today, Thursday, November 18th, as we're recording this. Brooklyn Nets, plus 275. They are the overall favorite to win the title. They didn't get scared off from the, you know, the beatdown that the Warriors gave of the Brooklyn Nets. They, they stayed with Brooklyn as the, the leader to win the finals. Then the Warriors plus 575 after that. Lakers plus 700, Jazz plus 800, Bucks plus 900, uh, Miami Heat plus 1200, and then the Phoenix Suns plus 1400, all the way down there. Like their odds are way, like, they have basically, like this, the Lakers are basically twice as likely to win the title as the Suns are right now. And okay, I understand how, you know, betting works and things like that. The Lakers are just always going to have inflated odds on anything. They're always going to be a little bit higher than everybody else because money comes in for for those teams. So they're just going to put them up there. So they're on the graphics. So they're on the, you know, the, the first page of the board yes. and all that kind of stuff. We under, understand that. But to have it that much higher than the Suns means that the books seem to have the Lakers as a better, you know, a better team, like a team that's more likely to yeah. win the finals. Like that, that's That seems ridiculous to me. That one is obviously the one that jumps out. I mean, I think that team is 500 right now. They have done nothing to make people feel good about them really at all. LeBron is now in his third or fourth straight season where he's missing considerable amount of time with injury. So I'm not really sure what a better would look at the Lakers and want to invest their money on them. (laughs) I personally would not give my hard-earned cash to anybody to say that the Lakers are going to be great this season. The one that jumps out to me, though, is the Jazz. Because, like, you look, the Nets, I mean, the Nets haven't necessarily been in the finals, but a lot of their, uh, uh, KD has, Kyrie has, Harden has been very close. The Warriors, the Lakers, the Bucks, the Heat, these are all teams in the past, like, two or three seasons who we've seen compete for titles. But what in the world are the Jazz doing up there? They have not even made a finals. The Suns just did that. And the Jazz are, like, two or three spots higher than the Suns. And the Jazz are not a sexy name that you would want to put up there if you're bet online just to juice up some betting so that seems to me that like people genuinely think of them that way and i have no idea what has happened that would make anybody like super excited they're not even very sexy this year they didn't do anything different like they didn't add a bunch of talent i don't get that one at all 
You're you're not a fan of the the Rudy Gay Hassan Whiteside bench that they added to this team. <laughs> Can't say that I am. I mean, I think I if I didn't bore people to sleep talking about Landry Shamit, then I think Rudy Gay <laughs> is the logical next place to go. Like they just similar to the Suns, they're kind of just hoping that what they have works, but it hasn't worked so far. So. Yeah, it's been a weird thing I've been talking about on this show all offseason and then into the season is like the Suns are just hanging out down around the middle of these kind of championship tier. I'm sure they're thrilled. Like they don't need the pressure. They don't need the scrutiny any more than they've already had it for off-court stuff. So uh, I, I don't know, but but I you know I, I hope that they rise. Like l- we were talking about before we hit record, like literally they have won 10 straight games. What else <laughs> could they possibly be doing to prove to people that they're a good team? That they're yeah, it didn't like it wasn't just that the, the their odds were lower than the, the Lakers and Jazz. It was that they were so much lower than these other teams. Yeah, it, it doesn't yeah. make like any like, sense to me. Like you said, like half as likely by Bet Online's odds to to make the finals or to win the championship compared to the Lakers and the Jazz. It makes and they're closer to the Nuggets than they are, which I think the Nuggets are pretty good, but they're closer to an injured team than they are to the the top tier of the league. Yeah, they're closer to the Clippers, who have the same odds as the Nuggets. And then the 76ers have they're, – they're closer to the 76ers than the Suns are to the Lakers. We got to talk Make it make guys. sense. <laughs> <laughs> make it make sense. It I don't understand. Not. All right, coming up, let's talk about the Dallas Mavericks. We're going to get into it. Luka Doncic out, but what is this team – I'm sure you have lots of questions about Jason Kidd, as as do I. We'll get, we'll get into all that coming up. But before we do, let me tell you quickly about Built Bar. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're absolutely delicious. And right now, you can go get the best flavor that exists right now. This coconut brownie chunk. It's available again right now. I ate one today. It's not here anymore because I ate it. It's gone. But 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, 7 grams of sugar. You can get it in a bar that has actual brownie chunks in it. Uh, which is the thing that they add that makes this bar different than any other, but still only seven grams of sugar. They give you just the little taste. Instead of like a whole like a whole ass brownie, they give you just like the little bits on the top and a protein bar. It's great for a snack. It's great to tide you over between meals. They're absolutely great. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off at Built.com on anything. They have vanilla cream as a new flavor right now, coconut almond, peanut butter brownie. The protein balls are back, so if you uh, are gluten-free, dairy-free, grain-free, you can go ahead and get those too. You can go and check those out at Built.com, promo code LOCKED15. All right, Brennan Clean, let's get into it. Let's get into the Dallas Mavericks. I asked you about the Suns now. Hit me with your Mavs questions, and, and you're not allowed to ask anything about Jason Kidd because I don't know the answer. <laughs> you don't have any answers for me. Okay, <laughs> uh, what I really want to know, and this is a weird place to start, is okay. Let me. I'll ask him a specific question, and then I'll make it into a bigger question because I don't want to spend too much time on this player. But why do Mavs fans just like absolutely hate Willie Cauley Stein? <laughs> you didn't watch him in that last game because because man, that last game was just a complete. Uh, it was a complete. It represented everything that Willie Costine has been this season, where he just came out <laughs> I there. I love the box score. And was just a body and didn't do it. Yeah, the, his box score, eight minutes, yeah. eight and a half minutes played, a minus eight. He scored, he fouled, had a turnover, one rebound. That was it. One shot attempt that he missed, which is a layup that he missed. He, he just, it didn't look like he showed up. And so anytime he goes out there, he just doesn't do anything. And then what makes it even worse, oh my God, I'm going to try to use this word again. My comment section has been obsessed with me using this word. It's going to exasperate. What exasperates this whole exacerbate? Is that what I'm trying to say? 
It, you got I, it. <laughs> the comment section is always like, no, you used it wrong. And then somebody else will say <laughs> you used it wrong again. And then I'll exacerbate. It exasperates the situation that Moses Brown is sitting there. And Moses Brown is this young, exciting player that's had 20, 20 games. And anytime Moses Brown go out there, goes out there, he tries hard and he hustles and all that kind of stuff. And so it just the, the optics of it looks so bad for Willie Colley-Stein right now. And he's only playing eight or 10 minutes a game. But yeah. it, it just be, like people just get consumed. And. Their Mavs fans are used to getting mad at the center spot. The Mavs have the best center in Mavs history played what well, he played for the Suns, but he played two consecutive, two non-consecutive years for the, for the Mavericks. The rest of the history has been just spotty center play for the entire time. And so they're used to like JaVale McGee being the starting center, Eric Dampier being yeah. the starting center, just a whole bunch of the slew of guys filling in Dwight Powell yeah. now being the starting center for like four years, it seems like. And so it's just, it's part of the culture, I guess, now is to be mad at the backup center. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, sec- it's, it's like the Mavs fan for life. And then it's just hating backup centers, yes. hating starting centers. Yes. Those are like the two cruxes of Mavs fandom. No, I'm glad that I asked that because I knew it would get you riled up and it did exactly what I wanted. <laughs> did you remember actually that our first podcast ever together, I tried to convince you that Tyson Chandler would make the Hall of Fame? Wow. I don't remember that, but should he? You no, I don't think he should. I think you were right. You told me that he shouldn't, and I think that's probably correct. But I love Tyson Chandler, so I guess we can. Oh, um, we do too. We can we can bond over that. Yeah, that's uh, that that that's one thing we can. Speaking we can of Tyson Chandler, he there was all these pictures and images and uh, and video of Tyson Chandler working with Moses Brown during the off season and like working on stuff with him. And when we when we talked to Moses Brown on media day, we sat down with him, did a one on one, and he was like, "Well, I was like, tell us what what Tyson Chandler like taught you." And he started going through all this stuff, and he was getting really excited. And then that's that's sort of what got all Mavs fans excited about Moses Brown. I was like, "Oh, Tyson's gonna teach him how to be blah blah blah." And yeah, we have we just haven't seen it yet. He was NBA Twitter's favorite player, I think, in the world last year. But that the, the segue player. that I wanted to do from that, and the Willie Cauley-Stein thing is sort of like a part of it, is what is the thinking with the Mavs basically keeping the same core together? Was that just something that they kind of had to do because there wasn't a ton available? I know that there was like Kyle Lowry rumors and people still maybe want Goran Dragic. I don't know, but they didn't make a huge move. Like I'm coming from the Devin Booker experience where – far less stable franchise, but still there was a, like from year two on, there was a, when is he going to ask out the pressures on, he needs to win being asked about this and that all the time. I know Luca just signed an extension, so we're nowhere in that realm at all, but they still mm. just kind of kept things together after two straight playoff losses. Why, why did they do that? And has it worked? Has it worked so far? It's, it hasn't seemed to work. Um, there's, there's a bunch of different issues, right? Like there was the, Okay, we can convince ourselves that those losses against the Clippers were so close against a team that was so good that we're right on the precipice. If we have a, just a little bit better of a regular season, maybe don't we don't play a team as good as the Clippers anymore, and then where our path to the finals is is easier. Like the Suns was so easy. No, I'm just messing. And uh, and <laughs> then they then they get to the then they get to the finals, right? Like maybe they go on a run like that. So you talk yourself into it that way. Then, I mean, the Mavericks didn't have like draft picks to trade because the Porzingis trade messed it all up right you tr- you have those draft picks and you trade two draft picks for a player and then all of a sudden you're you can't trade draft picks for like five years almost because you can't do the cons- you can't trade consecutive picks and all that and so there's the the amount of moves the Mavericks could make were were limited and then they really wanted us to, to bring back Tim Hardaway Jr. and so a lot of that cap space was taken up by him because he had a like a 28 million dollar 
uh, cap hold. And so they're like, all right, either we have to sign him to this deal or we hold on to this cap hold and then we just don't have any cap space anyway. And so they re-signed him. And then the Christoph Porzingis situation. His value seemed to be so low at the end of last season that there's just no reason for them to trade him at that point because they just wouldn't get anything, right? Maybe they just get off of the deal and then all of a sudden that's 30 million off and they send a future pick to the Thunder or something, right? And then all of a sudden sure. yeah. and, and and do it that way. But and then you have they, even even fewer picks and right. you're and you have, worsening that problem. Yeah. Yeah, you have fewer picks, you have no talent, you have nothing to show for that that Porzingis deal that they tried. And so then there's that situation. And then the big move they did make was the front office and the coach. They, there was at the end of last season, there was three things that we were like, all right, there's three players right now in Porzingis in, I just flipped you off <laughs> Porzingis in, uh, in uh, Rick Carlisle and Donnie Nelson. And you I were flipping Porzingis off. You said it right when you said Porzingis. <laughs> so we'll go with that. And Isaac and I were like, all right, they're not going to keep all three of these guys. I should be doing the German three. Maybe that's better. They're not going to keep all three of these guys. But what happened was they they fired Don Nelson. Rick Carlisle was, quote unquote, left on his own terms. And then they kept Porzingis. So we're like, okay, that was the, the move that they make. So they overhauled the front office and the coaching staff that hadn't been changed in. I mean, Don Nelson had been there for 20 years. Rick Carlisle, 13. So that was the big move they made. They they And the whole offseason, they kept telling us, well, it's going to change because of culture and chemistry. Culture and chemistry is going to be so much better this season. That's where we're going to improve. And Porzingis... Oh my gosh, I haven't done this in weeks. His first healthy offseason in a long time. Is that a drinking game? It's a drinking game. Every single time we say that Porzingis' first healthy offseason in a long time, you have to take a drink. Uh, but that, uh, that was the reason why they didn't make any big moves, whether it was right or justified or not. That makes sense. <laughs> I, I, It That's does. What... It makes sense. I just... I think like it honestly what it is I think is like our our NBA fan brain are are also broken where when a team with a superstar just sort of like runs it back we're just like you know we're like the Kevin in Home Alone like we're like <laughs> what are you doing like um so that was my, I mean that's it all is sound reasoning and they were pretty good the past two years it's not like if this is an awful team that's just like running into a glass window trying to get out over and over but comparing the question Comparing the uh, the Mavs front office to the Wet Bandits doing the exact same thing over and over again and expecting different results yes. is a pretty that's a pretty Who's good. Who's Kevin analogy. then? Is it Luca? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Or us in that metaphor. Yeah, yeah. Um, my my last question is: Tim Hardaway is the what best player in the NBA? I think he's perpetually oh underrated, gosh. and he was incredible in the playoffs, and I absolutely love watching him. He was not awesome on Wednesday night, but he's the what best player in the league. I'm gonna I'm gonna. Insert a word into your sentence. He is Tim Hardaway Jr. is either on any given night okay. like a top 50 player or like a bottom 50 player, right? Because yes. he just gets hot some nights. And when he gets hot and he hits like five threes in a game, the Mavericks can't lose. It's just, it's one of these things with Lucas playing, obviously. But if he gets hot and hits threes, then it's just, it's a different ball game for the Mavericks. It opens up so much stuff. It adds, you know, more pressure on the, on the defense in a bunch of different ways. He can hit those shots where he kind of dribble handoffs or he just pump fakes and steps in and hits a long two. He just can he can do a lot of things, but if his jumper is not going, he's not a guy driving to the basket and doing a lot of stuff like that. He's not, a, and it, you know, that good yeah. of a, a passer. He's obviously not that good of a defender, which was something we were confused about at the end of the game, where they had Tim Hardaway just like you shadow Booker the end of the, the end of the game. You just shadow Booker the entire time. We're like, why? Why is that with Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith out there? Why is that the game plan? But so he's not that good of a defender either. But when he's when he's hot and he's on, man, there's a 
he can just he he just gets flaming hot. <laughs> he does. He does. He didn't do it. But that's I mean, we're talking about what could happen in this Friday night game. I think him getting a little bit hotter, having a little bit of a better night. That's obviously one of the big things you, you would hope for if you're a Mavs fan trying to get this upset. But you want to do predictions and then get out of here? Or how do you want to oh, wrap this up? Predictions. Not something we, we do on Lockdown Mavs a lot, but I don't really do them either. But I don't know. What do we do on a crossover? How do we how do we settle our scores <laughs> here? How do we decide who's the bigger, better man before we wrap up our show? Isn't that what isn't that what this is for? No. <laughs> oh, just put them on the table. And I, I thought it was just mono on mono and one of us was gonna go home crying. I thought that's what Well, what I think I talked longer about. on this one. So if we're going with word count, I think maybe I, I take it. Okay. But uh, okay. The Mavs won't shoot fifty percent from three, and so if the Mavs, if they, they, if they don't, then I think it's kind of a blowout in the Suns in the Suns' favor. Maybe I'm reverse jinxing them, but I think that's where it goes tonight. Here's what I'm hoping for: is uh, a fairly not memorable game because I have family in town, so I will not be attending this wow, game. Wow, selfish I get really, prediction. I get really bummed out when I miss good games, so I want it to be a bad <laughs> game. That's that's my hope. You heard it here first. <laughs> All right. For everybody else, I hope it's a good game. You go subscribe to Locked On Suns. Follow Brendan Clean on Twitter. He's a great follow. Really smart guy covering the NBA. You just heard him for 30 minutes, so you should know. But uh, go check that out. Also, Locked On Mavs. Subscribe on YouTube. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Mavs and Locked On Suns. He's out. Boom. Oh.